welcome back to our podcast, Very Factual. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella, and we have a crazy packed episode for you guys today. We have Champions League, which we actually remember this time, and Premier League. Uh, and we'll actually start it off in the Premier League when Spurs took on Wolves on Saturday. Yes, so Spurs traveled to Wolver- Wolverhampton to take on the Wolves, and what everyone thought was an easy win for the Spurs ended up being a 2-1 to loss. An early head start to Spurs, scoring in the third minute, and keeping their 1-0 lead until at a time when Wolves scored both their goals, shocking absolutely everyone. When Wolves scored in the 90th minute to tie up the game, the action really lifted. I mean, the tackles and offensive plays both teams were doing really increased the tension between them. There was one yellow card given to Dawson on Wolves that really honestly stuck to me, because when I was re-watching the play, we see Dawson grab Sun's shoulders and pull him down, clearly purposely stepping on Sun to injure him, which in my opinion definitely should have been a red card, but you know, whatever. Overall, I'm pretty disappointed in Spurs, and I think Chelsea cursed them ever since that game. <laughs> um, so you um, said that Chelsea cursed them. Um, obviously, it was mm-hmm. really disappointing to lose like this, especially in added time, and I was very surprised about that early goal, to be honest. Like, three minutes in, that is, like, very early. And you said that Chelsea cursed them. But I think for this game, and this was... I guess Chelsea kind of cursed them in this way. They had a bunch of unavail- unavailable players. And I kind of knew that they were going to struggle. Like, Romero got a red card against Chelsea. He's been one of their top players. Mickey Van de Ven, he got injured at Chelsea. He was He's also probably their best defender this season. Madison got injured, and he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Udogi, he got suspended because of two yellow cards in the Chelsea game. So I guess... You could say Chelsea maybe cursed them in that way. No, I think that they definitely did. I'm a Chelsea hater over here. I don't yes. I don't like them at all. <laughs> um, they're clearly cursing my favorite, second favorite team here. Um, I mean, they had the win the entire game mm-hmm. until added time. And I was rewatching like the last 15 minutes of the game with my dad. And like when I saw that, when I saw Wolves score, the whole stadium went crazy. Yeah. And then when I saw them score again, both teams were really pushing. And I still can't get over the fact that Dawson, when he grabbed Sun's shoulders, he literally stepped on him, kneed him. And <laughs> sure, Sun, sure, Sun put his hands on his shoulders too, but he didn't do it first. It was Dawson who dra- dragged him down and then stepped on Sun. And of course, Sun's going to like try to drag him down too, you know? Yeah, but like, Sun was literally rolling on the ground because he got stepped on. Like, <laughs> Should have been a red card. Another bad VAR decision that they of have to course. get straight. It w- no, it wasn't even a VAR decision because there was like two minutes left and they oh, were like, okay, so just play. they were just like, who cares? Yeah. Like, just play. Which gave Wolves the goal. Stupid. <laughs> and I've been quite vocal about this like over the other episodes and I said that it'll eventually catch up the Spurs. Like, they won't be as good as they were in the beginning of the season because you see when they lose their best players, their replacements aren't good enough. Um, They'll probably bounce back, though. You know, Romero will come back. Van de Ven will come back. Madison will eventually come back because it's a really long season. But I think Wolves deserve the win, and I think Spurs lost it, especially towards the end. They really took the pedal off the gas and let Wolves get back into it. They uh, let Wolves have a bunch of space, especially uh, during the second goal. Um, And Wolves took their chances towards the end. Um, But I will say, I thought Spurs would do worse, especially with 
like missing a bunch of their players so I do give them a lot of credit for keeping it like one nil almost the entire game I do think they'll bounce back um but I don't think they'll be challenging for the title I just I see them like maybe fourth yeah I definitely see them in the top four at the end of the season but right now like I don't see it being like it's a downhill I think mm-hmm. it's more of just like a little rough spot and then they're going to go back up to how they were doing in the beginning of the season. And like you said, I mean, Spurs are missing some of their players and I mean, I'm just a little disappointed because they kept the one to zero win literally the entire game until the 90th minute and at some more added time for the second goal. Like, I don't know. It was, it was a shocking game, honestly. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing was them missing their main players mm-hmm. because Pasta Coglu really didn't change his side throughout the season because he had those 11 that worked for him. And now was like the first time that he really had to change it up. And maybe he wasn't like too comfortable with that because he what, didn't have those. replacements. Yeah, sorry, because they're not good enough. His replacements mm-hmm. aren't. He has like those 11 that he sticks with for a reason. And you know, they'll probably have to bring in some good replacements because it's it's not going to last the entire season. Yeah, hopefully next transfer that they have mm-hmm. um, next year, next season, he will bring in some more players that he can, you know, use, that he can replace for the players. If players get injured, well, as we see, if some players got injured or they can't play or they're absent and he doesn't really have those good replacements, he needs some more replacements to keep his, you know... Uh, team flow I guess yeah and I said that Spurs would bounce back after this result and another team that bounced back this weekend was Liverpool they bounced back after their midweek loss against Toulouse in the Europa League and they beat Brentford 2-0 in this game uh, Darwin Nunez would have two goals disallowed by VAR for offside uh, Salah would uh, net two continuing his fine form this season and Diogo Jota would seal the Reds the win making it 3-0 they really bounced back from that Europa League result and that is what's most important yeah honestly there's not much else to say about this game I mean I expected Liverpool to win Mm -hmm. and Brentford did try to, to pick up a fight but like they couldn't they didn't have the they didn't have the players to take on Liverpool honestly Liverpool just it was an expected win 3-0 yeah, they tied against Luton last weekend, and we said that it's not gonna. It was just kind of a freak result. It was bad game, and I think they showed that it didn't really mean anything. Um, mm-hmm. and you know they needed this result. I would say, um, Liverpool. Uh, the Liverpool Liverpool just played. I think they played very well in this game. They had the edge in all of like the statistics and shots and possession. Uh, Diogo Jota, I would probably say, was my man of the match. I know in the Premier League, Salah was voted man of the match, but I would say Diogo Jota. I thought he was really crucial in this game, especially that last goal. Um, Salah has been one of the players, best players this season. I'm so happy that he's back to like his top self. Like Salah is mm-hmm. one of the best players in the Premier League of all time, I would say. Um, they put Warta. Oh my gosh. Wartaro Endo in midfield in this game and I would say he is struggling a bit adapting to the team but I think you just need to give him some time to become 
that defensive midfielder they need. Like, I don't think he's absolute trash. I just think you can kind of see he's not fitting in as well. Uh, Costas Timikas played again, and I thought he looked a whole lot better than at Toulouse uh, when Thursday. Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and City Liverpool have City next, and that's really going to show where they stand in the title race because the game... Like, this City game couldn't have come at a worse time for Liverpool because of all their injuries that they have so far. I agree. I agree. And honestly, I'm, I just want to say again how you said that um, Liverpool, they're, they're definitely going to um, – you said a little while back that they're going to be in the top four. And honestly, mm-hmm. now I can agree with you seeing how they're performing against yes. the other teams. Because at first I was like, no, I think that they'll be like mid-table. And I was kind of stuck on that. But I think maybe if they're not top four, there's going to be a lot of competition for top four this year, you can tell. Oh, yeah. But um, I think that they'll definitely be at least in, like, the top six. Yeah, Liverpool is second right now on the table. This mm-hmm. is, like, my dream. City's first, Liverpool <laughs> second, Arsenal third, Spurs fourth. And I feel like that is, like, the top four challenge right there. Yeah, and I also think that maybe um, if Ch- honestly, if Chelsea keeps up the form, which we will talk more about them later, but if they keep up the form, maybe they have potential to being in like the top six. I'm not sure top four, but they, I'm pretty sure if they keep it up, they could maybe become small challenge. After a very chaotic Newcastle loss, Arsenal was another team that bounced back this weekend, winning against Burnley 3-1. Leonardo Trossard would score the first goal in added time in the first half. Then William Saliba and Alexander Zinchenko scored an incredible goal, giving Arsenal the lead, and Josh Brownhill would get the only goal of the game for Burnley. This was very expected and very very easy, Kayla. Yeah, I agree. We also saw that Fabio Vieira, he got a red card, which did limit um, Arsenal to 10 players, but it clearly did not change the scoreline that much. No one scored. Nothing else much really happened. It was an, I expected Arsenal to win against Burnley because Burnley mm-hmm. is not standing the best. They aren't awful, but they're not standing the best on the table compared to Arsenal, who isn't third now. Yeah. So... I mean, it was an expected win for me. Um, I don't know, just not much, else, not much else to say about them. Yeah, um, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, we Our first episode was Premier League predictions, and I said Burnley were going to be kind of like a surprise of the season because they did really good in the championship. So I thought they were going to be like really like surprising in the Premier League, but I guess not. They sit like at the bottom of the table – I'm I'm not even sure. Yeah, they're in 20th. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Burnley gives goals away really easily especially from set pieces and we saw that for two of the Arsenal goals like Zinchenko's goal. I that was probably one of my favorite goals I've seen this like season. It was like karate kid like. Like was... I it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I loved it and Leonardo Trossard He's probably one of my favorite Arsenal players this season. I think he's very underrated. And the first goal, he literally slammed into the post. And that was very brave of him to do. It was. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I just want to say, I know I always mentioned him, but Bukayo Saka was doing very well this game, too. We saw him get an assist to Leonardo Trossard's goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he... 
he's just amazing as normal. It's all I got to say. He definitely sticks out to me whenever I see Arsenal games because he always – I feel like he always knows what to do when he's on the field. Yeah, he's like their star boy, kind of like their best player. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Fabio Vieira's red card. Very dumb challenge. Like, I don't even know why he even, like, tried. It was so late and it was high, so – it was obviously a red card, and Arteta even said after the game that it was a correct decision to give a red card, yeah. and Arteta was so mad about it after, like, he saw his reaction when he got the red, like, it was just so dumb. Like, why do you even... Because he didn't need to challenge it like that. They were already up by three. It was pretty yeah. much useless, like... He just... Oh, well. Yeah, now he's going to be out for the next few games, and I think Arsenal, as... I don't want to admit it, but I think they'll definitely be challenging for the title because of their squad and because of their form. Like, they're, I think they have one of the best squads in the Premier League this season. Like, they're so young, but they know what they're doing. Yeah, like I said, um, with Bakayo Saka again, he's a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. He's so young, but he knows what he's doing. Like, I feel like Arsenal and Manchester City have, like, the best squad so far. Yeah. Because like, um, they have backups, they have players. Yeah, a team that does not know what they are doing was is Man United. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Manchester United took on Luton Town at home and barely, just barely scraped a win of one to zero. First half had very little action. United held most possession. Then in the 59th minute, finally Victor Lindelof scored the only goal of the match. This game was just disappointing as a whole. I mean, as a United fan, I expected so much more. Even looking at the stats, I see that both United and Luton had four shots on target. They both had four shots on target. We've said this before, and I'll say it again. United needs to work on following their shots and not solely relying on luck. Like, sure, they got the three points they needed this game, but it's so annoying seeing a team like a club like Manchester United perform like this against Luton Town. Yeah, they got the win, but it's not convincing once again. Like, you can't think that they're going to pick up form from this. And Eric Ten Hag, I, I sent you this earlier today. Yeah. He said he said something about, like, we're finding our form. We're, you know, we're getting back to it. Like, no, you're not. No, no you're one not. is convinced. It's like, it's like you lost against Copenhagen. You just scraped this win against um, Luton. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he means by they're getting better because they're not. They're literally getting really lucky winning these games. Yeah, I think last episode, I think I mentioned that we have to start looking at Chelsea as a mid-table team. And I think we have to start doing that with United, too. Yeah, like, for sure. The, no, 1-0 against Luton. No. It's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. Yeah, like United obviously dominated most of the game as they mm-hmm. should that's a plus but it, it it's getting really concerning like it takes you almost an hour to score they're not clinical all they have, in front like... of the goal yeah like this game should have been easy for them this should have been like three points in the bag but they looked really vulnerable like wherever they go it could be at Old Trafford or away like it's so crazy how bad they are Here's the thing, like United knows how to keep their possession, how to keep the ball at their feet. But the moment that they lose it, they lose everything. The other team Mm -hmm. runs up and scores. The thing about Luton, thankfully, is that they aren't amazing. Well, they're good because they're in the Premier League, but they aren't amazing at like doing that. They're one of the lower level teams, which has worked in the favor for Manchester. 
but you shouldn't be having to rely on that for a win for those three points. Yeah, like nothing stood out from this game at all. And we say this for like all their wins. Um, We'll talk about uh, their Copenhagen game a little bit later, but his Eric Tenag's team selections are horrible. It's like, like he picks him from a hat. Yeah, for real. Just like, okay, so Raphael Varane, I think I mentioned this before. He should be probably your number one pick in defense at center back because of his stature, of his, like, he won the World Cup. He won Champions League multiple times. and But he you make him, like, your fourth choice center back because he decides to start Maguire and Johnny Evans. And then... Which is- Sorry, but which is absolutely no. baffling to me that he starts Maguire over him because Varane, Varane, Varane? Clearly, Varane clearly is much better than Maguire, who constantly gets yellow cards, own goals, stuff like that. No, but it's even like Johnny Evans. He came to United in the summer to train, and they signed him on like a year deal. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. And then when Johnny Evans gets injured, he brings in Victor Lindelof. No, you should put Raphael Varane in there. I, like, want mm-hmm. to know what's going on. Like, why don't you choose him? I know he did get injured last season, I believe. But, but he's, he's, on, I think he's, he's okay on the bench now. now. So. Yeah, he's fine. Unless I don't know. He, Maybe he has something against him. Yeah, unless there's something we don't know, then it's like they're so boring to watch. And there's nothing to take away from this game. Except three points. Exactly. It was just, it was like obvious that United was going to win, but just by 1-0. And you saw the possession. Clearly United kept the ball at their feet most of the time. But it's just, it was honestly a disappointing game. Yeah, a game that was not so disappointing, though, was when Chelsea took on City at Stamford Bridge. And Chelsea gave City a run for their money. What a game this would turn out to be as Holland opened the scoring off a penalty after Kukurea took him down inside the box. Thiago Silva equalized four minutes later with a header off a corner. Uh, it would look like Chelsea would take the lead into the break, but Raheem Sterling uh, tapped uh, with the Raheem Sterling tap in, but then Manuel Akanji made it level at the break. Holland would then get um, another goal, taking City back in the lead. Nicholas Jackson would then equalize. Then Rodri put City in the lead. And just as it looked like Ch- uh, City would get three points, former Manchester City player Cole Palmer would get the equalizer for Chelsea, sharing the points. Oh my gosh. What What? a game. It was honestly very unexpected. Like, I know Chelsea won against Spurs, but 4-4 to tying against the number one team now is absolutely crazy to me. I mean, last thing I was expecting was a 4-4 to score. Never mind a tie. Like, it was just crazy. I mean, both teams got a penalty, which I think is pretty fair. Because usually when there's a penalty, I'm like, okay, well, both teams don't deserve it. I mean, it doesn't deserve it. I don't like penalties because it's basically a free goal. But, um, you know, Chelsea really put up a fight more than I thought. You saw, I feel like City went into the game expecting a little bit more of an easier game. Not completely Mm -hmm. easy seeing as Chelsea won against Spurs, but, you know, easier. And clearly it wasn't like that. I mean, halftime was 2-2 also, which was also pretty concerning for me because I was rooting for City. But, you know, I mean, a tie's a tie. It's better than loss. I think... The thing that I'm very shocked about is how 
close the game was. The possession was City had 54% possession, City had, uh, Chelsea had 45. The shots on target was 9 to 10 in City's favor. The total shots overall was 17 to 15 in Chelsea's favor. Like it was I'm just so surprised how high scoring this game was because City, like oh my gosh, I'm getting confused with the names. Chelsea can't score goals. And we've seen that through the season, but I feel like Okay, if you tie against City four four, I think we're we're getting we're climbing our way back, Kayla. I mean, I don't want to admit it because last time I said that they weren't and they didn't, so you know, I think it's just luck again. I feel like you got. I feel like by the end of the season, Chelsea How will is rest it in luck? like. I don't know, but I feel like in, at the end of the season, Chelsea will rest in like seventh or eighth place, but. Because right now they're in tenth, it's a pretty good spot for them considering how the season has been going. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. But, Playing against number one team, pretty impressive. You could tie them four to four. Yeah, but when you look at City's team and you look at Chelsea's team, City's team is a like a million times better. Yeah, they have like world class <laughs> players, and Chelsea's just they they have amazing players too. It's just when you look at them, you would expect City to win by like four to one, not four to yeah, four. Yeah, that's actually what I thought the game would be because I was like, you know, Chelsea can't score. I mean, they scored. It was four four one, right? Four one. Oh my gosh, I can't think back. It was four one in the Spurs game, but it was against nine men Spurs, so that wasn't really anything to me. I mean, I was obviously happy, but nine men. It was but- yeah, nine on eleven is. When, pretty much guaranteed for the other team. When you're playing against probably the best team in the world with the best players in the world and you tie them 4-4, I would actually say that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's like you take a look at, <laughs> you know, there's Erling Holland, Jeremy Doku has been amazing. We've said that. Rodri, probably my favorite players. Bernardo Silva, Julian Alvarez, Ruben Diaz, Kyle Walker. Like, even Ederson is so much better than Sanchez. And I think we might be we might be getting better. I think Pochettino's starting to implement his style of play. And we might, obviously, we're not going to be challenging for the title this season. But maybe, like, sixth, fifth. I, 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 that's where I want to send, at least. I mean, that would be great for you, but for me personally, I'd like to see Chelsea in relegation, but that's not gonna Okay, happen. okay, but that's not gonna happen if they tied against so, City. Yeah, so I assume that they're probably gonna be, like, sixth or, sixth or seventh by the end of the season. Maybe eighth, I don't know. Yeah, and, you know, we said that City's probably the favorites for the Premier League. Another, um... Another competition that they look favorites for is retaining their uh, Champions League title. Uh, they dominated Young Boys this week, uh, 3-0. A foul on Nunez would award City a penalty, and of course, Holland made it 1-0. Foden would get a goal, doubling City's league before halftime. Um, <clears throat> what did I write here? Hold <laughs> on. Six... What? Six in few... Oh, six minutes. Okay. Wait, when did they play? Real quick. When did they play? I'm trying to find the game. I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. Go ahead. 
Six minutes into the second half, uh, Holland would make a very rare outside of the box goal, securing City's place in the knockout stages. They had a really easy group because they won the Premier League. I mean, oh my gosh, Champions League uh, last year. So they get like the easy group. It's kind of like the reward, but very expected. You know what I mean, Kayla? Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It was an expected win. I mean, although Holland didn't get the penalty, like you said, like, I mean, Either way, City would have won against Young Boys. Young Boys, I just, I feel like most people could beat them. They're just kind of there, you know? <laughs> They're not really a threat to City. Like, City no. dominated the game. Over 60% possession. They didn't ha- let Young Boys have a single shot at all, which is very crazy, and it just shows how good City are. Yeah, City City has that amazing defensive lineup that we've mentioned before. Um they have that midfield that they can pass through with the ball. Mm-hmm. They just have great players, great formation, everything. And, um, you know, they just always know what they're doing. Like you said, yeah. they had, like young boys had zero shots. They had, they had some attacks, but they had no shots, which literally proves how well City can play. Yeah, and they got to make a lot of changes in the game, which is good to rest some players, especially because of the Chelsea City game they had coming up. And I think City will get to the final again to be honest with you and I literally think they could win it again like yeah I, mean, I think yeah there's not a team that looks like they're gonna pose a threat to them really I agree I mean there might be if they play Chelsea in the like in a final I don't think I don't think Chelsea will make it to the final honestly but if they do there are teams that like it'll be more difficult for them but it's just I think that I see them at least getting to the final Chelsea are in the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they were. I don't know why I was, I was mixing Champions League with Premier League. <laughs> I, f- I feel you. Yeah, I just... <laughs> you, unless, unless Jude Bellingham can stop City from... Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I think it's going to be Cities again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, I agree. Yeah, like you said, unless Jude Bellingham pulls through which that would be a very good honestly that would be a very good final very good but you know you never know you never know yeah a team that i think are gonna are gonna get knocked out of the champions league very soon is manchester united (laughs) yep so on wednesday in the champions league copenhagen took on manchester united and barely won four to three First half ended in a 2-2 tie and Rashford receiving a red card in the 42nd minute, limiting United to 10 players. Second half rolled around and United's captain Bruno Fernandes took a penalty, putting them in a 3-2 lead until the 83rd minute and 87th minute when Copenhagen scored their winning goals. United did come out strong and they were pushing, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because Copenhagen did win this. And some people are blam- are blaming the one goal loss on the fact that United had to play with only ten players, but ten on eleven ten on eleven isn't much of a difference. Plus, Rashford hasn't been making much of an impact this season, so him so him being out shouldn't have impacted them as much as people are saying. Yeah, I think they started off the game really well. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, it looked like they could have it could have been like four nil. Very early in the game. Yeah, they controlled it. But then, of course, like many United have been doing this season, when Rashford was sent off, everything fell apart. Mm -hmm. I I know Rashford didn't mean to get the red. Like, it looked very unlucky. Like, I 
obviously he didn't mean to step on the guy's ankle, but like rules are rules. And I like, you know, he did endanger his opponent. And that's that like, that's a red period, like freeze frame. You know, when they look at VAR, it slows it down. It makes it look a 100 times worse. But it was a bad challenge. He stood on the guy's ankle and he could have literally mm-hmm. broke it. Yeah, I agree. And Copenhagen isn't even that good of a team. They lost, like, they're not as big as a team as, like, Bayern when they played them. You know what I mean? So it really shouldn't have been that hard. Like, Men United lost to Galatasaray. Three, was it? They lost to Galatasaray. They lost to Bayern. It could have been way more at Bayern. And I just think they haven't been good in this whole UCL run. And I don't think they're going to make it out of the groups at all. Honestly, I'll agree with you with that. If they do, by any chance, make it out Surprising. of the group, they're not making it far. They're not making it far. Mm-hmm. If anything, one game, but that's it. Yeah, like, for real. One goal loss. I mean, it was 4-3. to three. You saw them win against Copenhagen before, mm-hmm. but, you know, it just clearly didn't come back. Their luck didn't pull through for this game. No, it's it's not surprising that like they're not going to make it out or that they even lost this game because they just concede goals for fun. Like they lost the lead twice. I don't think that they concede goals for fun, but I think that they're just kind of they're very flawless. Not not flawless. Wrong word. Flawless. <laughs> wrong word. <laughs> they're, they're flawed. Very, like, they're flawed. Yeah, they're very flawed. That's what I was going for. Flawed in the way, in, I mean, in the sense that they don't really care when they're on the field. Like, I feel like a lot of the players, I've mentioned this before, don't realize that they're playing for the club of Manchester mm-hmm. United. Like, we've seen um, Hoyland. Yes. He, he knows he's playing for Manchester yeah. United. He appreciates it. It's just certain players, they're just kind of there and I feel like they just don't realize the fact that um it's it's a big club they need to respect it and they're not living up to any expectations anymore no the fact that they they got into the Champions League this year yes but it's they're not even playing like they're supposed to you know yeah I don't think they're good enough and I'm gonna mention this again like I said for the Luton game 10x team selection is horrible he doesn't Mm -hmm. know what his back line is and a bunch, this is something I noticed, which is quite weird, a bunch of his new signings, the players that he signed when he came to Manchester United, are on the bench. Anthony, I hate Anthony with all my heart. He has done nothing, absolutely nothing. Mason Mount. I don't like him. Mason Mount, the guy oh who Oh my there. gosh, I forgot. I forgot about Mason Mount. Yeah. He literally came on for Erickson because he got injured in the Luton game. And, you know, he almost got an assist, but whatever. Um, Emrabat, I actually was very happy when Emrabat came to United. I literally thought this was going to be good for them. It was going to be, like, extra protection. But no. Emrabat is horrible. And I, I don't think that he's horrible as a player. I think it's the team around that makes him look like this. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like he's just not in the right environment so he, where he can flourish. So, me and Kayla's favorite group in the Champions League was, is obviously Group F. Like, you have so many good teams in there. Milan, PSG, Dortmund, Newcastle. It's also nicknamed the Group of Death. And 
Uh, Dortmund, after beating Newcastle at St. James's Park in the previous tie, uh, they beat Newcastle once again, but this time 2-0. Niklas Fulkrug would open the scoring, getting his first UCL goal for Dortmund, and Julian Brandt would score the second goal, putting Dortmund top of Group F. And it's funny how, like, Dortmund is really inconsistent in the Bundesliga, but like they're incredible in the Champions League and especially with a really good Newcastle side in that game like they won it quite easily they were the better side all through the game and they really needed that result because of how tight group F is and uh Newcastle never looked like they could have even won mhm i'll agree i mean we saw Newcastle win this game before i think and i said that um Maybe they were getting their form back from last season, but they didn't show that again. Um, I'm happy to see that Dortmund won, though. I was kind of rooting for them, and like you said, it just kind of you didn't you just kind of knew that Dortmund was going to win this game. I I will correct you though. <laughs> Newcastle didn't beat Dortmund in the Champions League. Was it Newcastle PSG? Yes, that one. That yes, one, okay, that one okay, okay wrong game. Out. Wrong yeah, game, okay. Yeah, you got it, though. I think Close enough. Close yeah, enough. Same this... group, same group. <laughs> yeah. The setup of the team, I think, was really wrong. Like, how Eddie Howe put it out. Like, I just didn't like it. Newcastle looked like they didn't know what to expect from Dortmund. Like, they didn't play them two weeks ago. Like, you should know, kind of. Like, Dortmund is very slow at the back. And they aren't really an amazing side themselves. Like, uh... Newcastle just played really scared and they played too defensive and I think they had they could have beat Dortmund in this game because of their offensive talent because Dortmund is really bad in defense and I think um Newcastle gave Dortmund a lot of space and that gave Dortmund opportunities to attack and counter and I think they really Newcastle should have really took stuff away from the first game I think that atmosphere might have got to them the Dortmund Stadium is very intimidating, and it's. I think it's probably one of the most intimidating stadiums in all of Europe, and it's probably one of my favorite stadiums as well. And I think Newcastle really, they have struggled a bit with the UCL away games, and I think it shows the gap between these big European teams and you know Newcastle. Hmm. Um, like you said, the Newcastle gave them a lot of space to go up and score. Mm-hmm. And also with the atmosphere, both teams have incredible atmospheres at their mm-hmm. stadium. So going to the other um, team stadium definitely gives them a different feeling. Of, yeah. Like, it's the same. It's I want to say same atmosphere, but for the other team. So it's kind of like, oh, they're not cheering for me. So it's more pressure, you know? Yeah, and another the other game in Group F was Milan PSG. Mm-hmm. So it was a very anticipated game, PSG versus Milan, with Milan winning two to one. PSG opened the scoring in the ninth minute, giving them the leverage. But soon in the twelfth minute, Milan tied it up. Halftime came, and soon after, Milan scored again their second goal in the fiftieth minute, giving them the two to one win. Um, overall, I don't really know what I expected. I knew that it was going to be a, um, 50, 50, 50, kind of game, but looking at the possession, you saw PSG definitely had the ball more. I just feel like they couldn't finish their shots. They were attacking more. They had more attempts were 16, 16, both teams, 
but you know, both teams, you just, you didn't really know what was going to happen with this game, honestly. No, because two weeks ago we saw PSG like thrash Milan three nil. Mm -hmm. So I think it was kind of like, you didn't know what to expect. And, but I will say, I think Milan deserved the win and they turned up and they were way better than last time. And that's, they really needed it because they were a different Mm -hmm. side. I'll agree with you on that. Like you said, um, PSG completely destroyed them last time, and now they've lost. And even though PSG was playing a little bit better, they couldn't. They just couldn't get the win. And um, after you saw PSG constantly pushing when it was mm-hmm. two to one, they just couldn't get it. I think Milan really put up a fight, and they kind of shunned PSG. Like I feel like mm-hmm. we didn't even see PSG in the game. I feel like it was all Milan. It was so entertaining, though. It was probably my favorite game. Uh, this week and Milan were very good but the thing is they have to be consistent I feel like they're one of the most inconsistent teams in Europe especially in the Champions League yes I I agree with you um like you said consistency is key in the Champions League especially so seeing Milan like I mean they won this game but who knows how they'll do next game you know yeah and I think Speaking of PSG, I think they really vanished. And their front line was very invisible. Like, Mbappe didn't Mm -hmm. do anything. Dembele, ever since he came in, he hasn't done anything. He looks the same from Barcelona. And I literally thought, I think I've said this, uh, I thought they would have a really good forward line because of they brought Kulumuani in. I thought it was just like a crazy front line. I was like, oh, this is going to be good, but... PSG just look half-hearted in everything they do. They have no spirit in them. They're not even a team, and there's no structure. They're so egotistic, and I thought Luis Enrique might have changed that. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to blame Mbappe for this egotistic Mm -hmm. side. Like, it's it's horrible. Yeah, I just feel like ever since they got Mbappe, they don't really have that push to win, and they're just kind of like, oh, well, we're just amazing because we have him, so... They're just kind of there to play. They're not really pushing for the title or anything. No, I think they're obviously pushing for the uh, the title in France, but I don't think they're... Who, yeah. Okay, I have a question. Who do you think is going to get out of Group F? Milan, PSG, Dortmund, or Newcastle? Or two okay. teams. You have to pick two teams. Sorry. Okay, I think... Oh, it's kind of difficult because all these teams, like, it's It's pretty, hard. I feel like Newcastle because... I don't know. I know that they won against PSG, but they did also lose two games against Dortmund. So I'm going to go with Newcastle and PSG because I don't know. I know that they won a few games, but they also lost a few. I don't know. This is very. Wow. What do you think? Wow. I'm going to say I don't think Newcastle are going to get out of the group at all. Really? I think it's. it's, No, I I don't. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be PSG. I just. Even mm-hmm. though I hate them, I just I think they're gonna get out, and I think I'm gonna have to go with Milan just because I feel like there may be a little less. Even though Dortmund have been really good in the uh, not Premier League, what the heck in the Bundes, what am I talking about? Even though Dortmund <laughs> have been really good in the Champions League, I just I feel I just have like this feeling that Milan are just the better side, and I feel like they'll kind of edge out. It's a tight group, so you really don't know what's going to happen. But I, I don't think Newcastle have a chance, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, 
I misunderstood you. I thought you were saying which two I think are going to be like out, like not play and go on. You know oh. what I mean? So the, the things I think that are going to go on are Milan and Dortmund. Mm. <laughs> so I'll agree with you on the Milan one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, then speaking of Milan, you and me, a couple of years ago, we had, we were very big fans of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Oh, yeah. And he left Chelsea in the summer, and he rebuilt himself so mm-hmm. much. I think he had the best game for Milan in this PSG game. He was the guy in the game. I'm so happy he rebuilt himself. He got man of the match. I'm just... All, all the real Chelsea fans knew that there was a good player inside him. It's just there was too many people at Chelsea, if that makes sense. Yeah, they, and, they had too many like good yeah. players per se, and they he couldn't reach his yeah. full potential there. The the real ones knew. I I'm so happy for him, you know. I know. <laughs> and then Oliver Giroud uh, continues to help. Milan even at his age he's not like old old but you know he's older and he's always there for them like he he can get the goal that they need if it's just like you know if they're tied he can break the deadlock he still scores amazing goals and Rafael Liao he also scored in this game he got back to his best and he really needed that goal for himself like he hasn't been really scoring lately and I think he's an amazing player and he just needed that and not gonna lie, I really, I really do like Milan as a side. Like, I didn't realize mm-hmm. how much like I like them until this game. I feel like I'm always just secretly rooting for them during games, unless they're playing against yeah. a team that I like. I like more, like for example, United or something. I'll be rooting for United, but you know, they're not in the same group, so <laughs> yeah. So next week we have another international break um and gareth southgate decided to you know he's been having some questionable england choices Mm -hmm. and kayla what do you think of the side that he called up honestly like i don't i agree with some of the players like Okay, I'll agree with the goalkeepers. That's as normal as it always will be. But Mason Mount, I don't really know why he's there. I mean, he does great for England normally, but, like, mm-hmm. he hasn't been playing. And um, I don't know why, like, Sterling or Palmer aren't there. I feel like they belong there. But, um, you know, I don't really have much else to say. I mean, Jude Bellingham's there, even though he's injured now, but he will probably be able to play. Maguire does not deserve to be there, nor does Phillips. He definitely has favorites. Um, oh, yeah. He definitely has favorites. <laughs> I think, you know, we've mentioned. I think oh, he has favorites. We made that very mm-hmm. clear. Uh, and I think actually a lot, a few of these players are going to withdraw from the team because they have injuries. Um, mm-hmm. Like Callum Wilson, he has an injury. Um James Madison has an injury. I just, I f- Jude Bellingham also has an injury. And I just, you know, I don't like that he doesn't branch out. I mean, I am happy to see Bakayo Saka and Ollie Watkins, but I hope he actually plays them, you know? He doesn't just have them Yeah, he, he usually plays Bakayo Saka, but I feel like, mm-hmm. like, Harry Kane's kind of like that main guy. 
he's their number nine, so Ollie Watkins is probably not going to play that much unless it's, like, a bad game. But something – we've mentioned this a lot. Why do you call up Calvin Phillips? Why yeah. do you call up Jordan Henderson anymore? Like, it's so bad. Neither of them play, and if they do, they barely perform as they should be. It's just not – doesn't make any sense. And and Harry Maguire – okay, I can actually maybe vouch for Harry Maguire here. He's actually playing now. So they're true. that he, you know, Eric Tenna kind of likes him. So I guess, I guess we can't really say anything about that. But you said Sterling and Cole Palmer. Yeah, they put yes. Rashford in over Sterling. I don't, it doesn't yeah, make I, any sense yeah, to me. I think like, I feel like Cole Palmer, I just, I've been loving him at Chelsea. And I feel like, especially in like a really short international break, I don't think some, I don't. Jack Grealish is not even playing. Jeremy Doku takes him out of the side. Like you could literally put Cole Palmer in there. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, it probably is, but like you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I get what you mean. It's just like some of these players. You can tell he had some thought behind putting them in the squad, but other ones you just know they were his favorites, so he just kind of put them there. Or he's like, oh, they played good last year or during the Euros or something, and now they're here. Yeah. So England have some Euro qualifiers next this coming week and we will we will probably cover them in our next episode Mm -hmm. and that's what we have for you guys today yes so thank you everyone for listening please follow our instagram and youtube at very factual podcast 